0: Uh, It's great to be with you. Weren't the kids beautiful there? Absolutely gorgeous uh, on Victory this morning. And they've already uh, introduced me really well uh, with their Victory song. I'm going to talk to you a little bit uh, about the victory uh, of the cross this morning. What an icon this is, the cross. We see this everywhere, don't we, especially around Easter time. And uh, this one up here looks absolutely fantastic. Did anyone have any hot cross buns over the last... Over the weekend, over the last month, in our household, the minute they come into the uh, supermarket, which is about February usually, we are on hot cross buns. And why do we have hot cross buns? Because they have a cross on them. The cross represents Easter. What about a necklace? Does anyone wear a cross necklace? Does anyone wear a cross necklace on? Yeah, we've got a few there. A few. What about this one? This is, this is the coolest cross icon possible. Does anyone have a tattoo of a cross? A tattoo of a cross here? No, no one? Well, I want to show you the my new tattoo that I got on the weekend. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't really get that. <laughs> Some of your faces. Samuel Holmes Brown was like, Boo! <laughs> no, it's on here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the cross is so iconic, isn't it? You think of the uh, you think of the Red Cross. We see that Red Cross, which means first aid, uh, which means uh, help, which means refuge, which means if you're sick, you can be healed. Uh, if you're hurting, the first aid room with the big cross on it uh, is going to get you better and, and make you well. Uh, many traditional churches sign with the cross, don't they? So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, I watch a lot of soccer, and so a lot of the... Uh, Catholics, uh, Orthodox Catholics, Eastern European soccer players will run onto the soccer field and cross themselves as they do that. The sign of the cross is so iconic and and represents something so powerful for those that believe in Jesus Christ. It represents uh, not only His death on Good Friday, that He died on a cross, but it also represents the fact that He's not on the cross anymore and that He is alive And uh, he has come back from the dead and he overcame the cross. But it wasn't always like that. The cross didn't always represent Christianity or represent help like in first aid or represent hot cross buns. The cross didn't always represent something positive. In fact, I want to give you a little bit of a, a history of the cross this morning, because if you know your history well, the cross originally represented Roman domination. It was a torture device developed by the Roman Empire. And first and foremost, it was developed to punish criminals. The cross was to punish criminals. And there's a picture here of a highway lined with crosses. Tom Holland, the well-known atheistic historian, writes in his book, Dominion, The Making of the Western Mind, about Rome's preeminent torture device, the cross and crucifixion. Exposed to public like slabs of meat hung from a market stall, troublesome slaves were nailed to a cross. No death was more excruciating, more contemptible than crucifixion. To be hung naked, long in agony, swelling with ugly welts on shoulders and chests, helpless to beat away the clamorous vultures... Such a fate, Roman intellectuals agreed, was the worst imaginable. This, in turn, was what rendered it so suitable a punishment for slaves. Lacking such a sanction, the entire order of a Roman city might fall apart. This was the perfect torture device to keep the millions of Roman slaves throughout the empire in check. The terror of crucifixion kept the slaves in check. It was the most agonizing fate imaginable for a human being would be to be crucified on a cross and nothing said Roman power more than an entire highway lined with crosses. Nothing said a failed revolt or a people domineered by the Romans than hundreds of maybe slaves, maybe hundreds of revolters, maybe hundreds Of enemy soldiers hung on hundreds of crosses lining a highway. So brutal and merciless was it that the Romans would not even admit to the invention of crucifixion. Maybe it was the Persians, maybe it was the Gauls, maybe it was some barbarian tribe that came up with this invention. The cross was a source not only of torture but also of shame. Even in peacetime, Tom Holland writes, executors would make a spectacle of their victims by suspending them in a variety of inventive ways. One perhaps upside down with his head towards the ground, another with a stake driven through his genitals, another attached by his arms to a yoke. Yet in the exposure of the crucified to the public gaze, there lurked a paradox So foul was the carrion reek of their disgrace that many felt tainted even to gaze upon a crucifixion. Hence, the Romans would crucify these criminals, these slaves, outside the city walls because of the stench, the reek of human flesh that would be rotting, that would be thrown into graves. And it was the ultimate shame to be hung naked, before your local community, your local city, to be hung as a common criminal, to be despised, to be disgusting, to be tortured for hours and hours and hours until finally death came like a saviour and the hapless victim welcomed death as it came to relieve them of their pain. To the Romans, the cross signified defeat and death. We have conquered you, we have controlled you, We are the most powerful empire on the face of the earth. The corpses, writes Tom Holland, of the crucified, once they had first provided pickings for hungry birds, tended to be flung into a common grave. Undertakers dressed in red, ringing bells as they went, would drag them there on hooks. Oblivion, like the loose earth, scattered over their tortured bodies, oblivion, would entomb them. Nothingness was the fate of these criminals. Completely forgotten from all of human history, nobody knew who they were. To the Romans, for the, for the for Rome, sorry, the Romans, the cross was not a sign of victory as we understand it. Love conquers all, but it was a sign of victory over enemies. It was a sign of control. It was a sign of power over the week. The details of this grotesque and inhumane torture mechanism are largely lost to history. Understandably, scholars and historians showed little interest in recording the pure madness of these vile slaughterings of nameless, nobody slaves and criminals. However, writes Tom Holland, this atheistic historian, However, there is one exception to the rule. Four detailed accounts of the process by which a man might be sentenced to the cross and then suffer this punishment have survived from antiquity. Remarkably, they all describe the same execution, a crucifixion that took place some 60 to 70 years after the building of the first heated swimming pools in Rome. The location, a hill, outside the walls of Jerusalem, Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Let me read it to you, straight from one of these four accounts, the good news according to Luke, Luke chapter 23, and when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left, and Jesus said... Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine and vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him that read, this is the king of the Jews. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two and Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last This is Good Friday. This is the story of Good Friday just a couple of days ago when we remembered, yes, it's a somber event. Yes, it's a sad event. When we remembered that Jesus Christ was crucified upon a cross, the Son of God came for all mankind. But the thing is, the cross did not remain an icon of Roman torture It did not remain a means of power to oppress and control and dominate and set terror in the heart of enemies, in the hearts of slaves. How did this cross go from that torture mechanism to become an icon of love, of grace, of mercy, of sacrifice, of Christianity? How did this transformation happen? You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he died as a perfect human being. He didn't die as perfect because he was God. No, he lived as a normal man, a normal human like you and I, one that would sweat, one that would have emotions, one that had to eat, one that would get tired. Yet he lived a perfect, innocent life. And he was tortured like a common criminal, like a nameless, faceless nobody. He was tortured for hours and hours and hours, six hours it took him to die. Essentially, crucifixion, you drown in in your own fluids as they build up in your lungs. But between Friday... And Sunday, today, Resurrection Sunday, something very unusual happened that had never happened with the thousands upon thousands of crucifixions that the Romans had done before. Jesus, the criminal, so-called criminal who was crucified, came back from the dead. Between Friday and Sunday, what we understand is the icon of the cross completely change because the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What once meant Roman victory now meant victory over death. Let me read it to you from Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were there wondering about this, suddenly two men appeared in clothes that gleamed like lightning and they stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Turn to your neighbor and say, Christ is risen. Turn to the other side and say, Christ is risen has risen. Remember, said the angel, remember he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners and be crucified. And on the third day he will be raised again. Jesus' resurrection changed the meaning of the cross. The shame of dying as a criminal now became the Son of God dying on the cross, now became the centre point of all of human history, now became what we celebrate today, that Jesus is alive. Everything changed on Resurrection Sunday. What was once a source of punishment for criminals, now crucifixion and the cross helped us understand God's sacrificial love for all of humankind. God didn't come to earth just for people that believed, He came for people that don't believe. Jesus didn't just die on a cross for His friends, He died on a cross for His enemies. Secondly, what was a source of shame, deep shame and torture, the most ugly torture, that a human being could go through, the most vile mechanism of torture that any human human society has ever created, the Roman crucifixion, now became a symbol of humility and lowliness, as Jesus Christ, God on earth, a perfect man who was totally innocent, never made a mistake, humbled himself, put aside his divinity, put aside his rights as God, put aside even his rights as the rabbi Jesus, the good teacher. He put all of that aside and took on the lowly position of a common criminal and a common slave. Infusing into the Christian mindset, into Christianity, this deep value of humility and lowliness and laying down our life for one another letting our rights go when they're challenged, the ability for us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, to be humble like He was humble, to be at peace when we're wronged, to be at peace when we should be worried and anxious, everything changed. And finally, what was death? What was defeat? What was dominion? What was power in the hands of the Romans? The cross now became a source of victory a source of resurrection. Resurrection means that things can come back to life. It means things that are ruined can be reborn. It means things that are broken, whether that's a life, whether that's a family, whether that's a marriage, whether that's a friendship, things can be restored because Jesus overcame death on the cross. If the torture of crucifixion on a cross could come to mean love, sacrifice overcoming for all people overcoming of even death itself what does that mean for us right now well Jesus resurrection means that victory is always possible isn't that great news victory is always possible and the children sang about that up here this morning it means if Jesus suffered and then Jesus died, but rose again, that means your suffering, that means things that are coming to an end in your life, that means things that are not working out anymore, that are fragile, that means the struggles of what it means to be human, all of those things may be possibly overcome through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus' resurrection means that miracles... possible. The miracle of resurrection, the fact that a human being came back to life after being dead for three days, means that anything is possible, even miracles can occur. Do you know that the whole Christian message, the whole belief system of Christianity hangs on this one rational, provable fact that Jesus Christ, in fact, the first century Jewish man who died on the cross, did in fact come back to life. And there's overwhelming evidence to suggest that this is true. And if you're a Christian this morning, this is what our faith hangs on. If you're not a Christian this morning, this is what you should research and you should look into. Because if a man said that he would come back to life and then he died in the worst possible way and did come back to life, maybe it's worth listening to what else he said. Maybe it's worth believing in what else he promised. If Jesus came back to life, that means any personal hardships. You may be sitting here right now thinking, gosh, my little bit of worry or anxiety compared to Jesus being tortured on a cross. But to him it matters. Your personal hardships, no matter how small, Jesus understands. Jesus doesn't understand because he's God. Jesus understands what you're going through because he went through the same emotions, the same struggles. He lived the human life. He knows the pain you're experiencing. He knows the tension in your heart. He knows what it's like to be troubled and to have troubles in your life. You know, the hardship of the last couple of years, especially here for Victorians with COVID and lockdowns, it's been difficult for everybody. Nothing compared to dying on a cross, but it doesn't matter, it's all relevant. We go through things that are difficult. But the fact that Jesus rose from the dead says that there's victory on the other side of the cross. There may be pain, there may be suffering, There may be hardship in life on this side of the cross, but on the other side, Jesus rose from the dead. That means there's resurrection, there's rebirth, things can be remade, relationships can be reconciled, things that are broken can be restored, things that are messed up can be forgiven. You know, because Jesus died on the cross, even any injustice in this world that we experience can now be overcome. There's things like the war, Ukraine and Russia we look at. The other side of the world for us as Aussies. And our heart is weighed down because we think, oh, horrible and those people and what's going on and difficulties and all kinds of political things across the world that we know about. But we can't do anything about, except be sad, that's it. But even these injustices in our world, even the evil that seems to lurk in every corner, the incredible spike in people's interest in end times and the book of Revelation due to COVID and vaccinations and economic crashes and people are thinking about spiritual things and people concerned about the destiny of the world, where are we going, who are we, what's important in this world? Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection means that there will be victory, no war No personal hardship, no political situation is greater than Jesus' death and victory and overcoming and rising again on the cross. We've got a federal election coming up and maybe election times, you know, trigger you, push buttons in you. You think of corrupt politicians, you think of injustices, or maybe you think of fighting and voting and getting out there and protesting and whatever... Whatever an election might bring up for you, for all of us, it's a sense of we can't be in control. We'll cast a vote that someone will win and something will happen or something won't happen that we would like to happen. But despite our lack of control, despite the fact that things always just seem out of reach, Jesus died on the cross for you personally and rose again for you personally personally that you can know the victory of the cross. You can have peace when you can't be in control. You can be revived and filled by the Spirit of God when you feel lost, when you feel like everything is gone. And finally, and we're going to take communion around this this morning, the greatest news for us personally is that despite our own selfishness and sinfulness and fallenness, Jesus Resurrection from the death means that we can overcome ourselves. You see, maybe you're not too bad, but you're definitely not perfect. Maybe you try really hard to be a good person, a good Christian, but you're definitely not perfect. Sin lurks in all of our hearts. Maybe you look okay on the outside, or maybe you think to yourself you look okay to everyone else. But you and I both know, in our heart heart of hearts, and God definitely knows, that deep down inside, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with me. Even the strongest of us can't be strong all the time. Eventually, the strongest mentally, the strongest physically, the strongest emotionally, eventually, even though we try to be strong, eventually we're weak. Eventually, we can't. Eventually, we run out of energy. But this is the great news, the greatest news of the Christian message, that Jesus Christ not only suffered and died, and we've all experienced that, the sense of suffering, the sense of death, the sense of endings, the sense of disappointment. The great news of Christianity is that it doesn't stop there, that resurrection comes. It heals our deep fallenness and selfishness. Jesus' resurrection over death means that your problems are nothing to Him. Your sinfulness is nothing for Him. Your sense of I'm unlovable and I'm unworthy and I'm not good enough, it doesn't matter to Jesus. He overcame death itself. Jesus endured suffering and death in a Roman crucifixion, the most torturous way that any human being could ever die, that you and I, that our city, that the nations of the earth might experience life and victory through the cross of Jesus Christ. Why don't we just stand up this morning, and take your communion, just in respect of Jesus' body and Jesus' blood. We can't do this just sitting down. Just close your eyes this morning. want to give you a minute, just on your own, without me talking, just to hold the biscuit which represents his body, beaten, tortured. Jesus himself said, take this in remembrance of me. That was on Thursday night, the Lord's Supper, take this in remembrance of me. The disciples didn't really realise what he meant when he said that. They had no idea what was coming over the weekend with his death and resurrection. And then just meditate on the cup there, the bit of, it's a symbol of his blood that was shed. Jesus bled. He bled from his head because of the crown of thorns bled from his hands and his feet because of the nails that were driven through there to pin him to the cross. He bled because of the brutal and grotesque whipping, the lashes upon his back that tore away chunks of flesh, even down to the bone. He, He bled because of his beard being ripped out because of the spear that was thrust through his side. His blood reminds us of that. I'll just give you a minute just to meditate on that. Maybe you want to pray. Maybe you want to thank Jesus for his death and his resurrection. jesus we might just have a final song just to finish off this morning And just as you're holding the bread and the drink there let's just take this together remembrance of him just thank you for your body lord god shedding your blood and we thank you Jesus ultimately for your resurrection because you rose from the dead anything is possible miracles happen lives are transformed our problems will be overcome the injustice in this world Will be dealt with. You are restoring all things. You're making all things anew. Forgive us for where we look at this world or we judge it from our tiny, minuscule perspective. We judge it. We become fearful. We get lost in the rushing of life. Forgive us, Lord God. You didn't come back to life, you didn't come back from the dead in order to leave us in a hopeless situation, to leave us in the pain of a fallen world. No, Lord, you have the victory. You are overcoming all things. You are renewing all things. We choose not to put our faith in fear, but we put our faith in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. We choose not to put our faith in the circumstances and what's visible to us and what we can judge and we can see. But we choose to see from your perspective. Put our faith in your view. Put our faith in your word as we read it in the Bible. Put our trust in your intentions in your motives and your plans, Lord God. So so much greater than ours. Forgive us for where we forget. We remember you this Easter. The moment when history changed. The moment when the world was turned upside down.